previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. Who would want to be a Cowboys fan? I mean, honestly, except for Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin, nobody likes the Cowboys. They say they're America's team, but I think that's easily swung to the Patriots and nobody likes them either. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. And welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Refuge Podcast, episode 45. I'm your host, Earl Holland. Due to a little bit of scheduling issues, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we'll be back with a new episode featuring a guest of my choice, of course, in the next week or so. What I'm going to do with this episode is something that that I really hate. I vehemently hate it, especially in the sports world right now. It is the hot take culture that has pretty much taken over every sports network, whether it's Fox Sports, whether it's CBS Sports Radio, of course, the biggest offender, ESPN, with their whole embrace debate style, which really has irritated me over the years. But while I talk about it a lot and I talk about how much of a disdain I have for it, I'm going to, you know, bite, as the old saying goes, and give some of my hot takes Something that'll be a little more relevant, not something really for clickbait and for headlines, something that can actually be long lasting, something that makes a little more sense instead of these things that really are talked about by people you think have the credentials of being experts on sports, but are actually like the people who play doctor on TV. They're not real. They're not authentic. They're not licensed. They really shouldn't be saying anything and you really shouldn't trust anything that they say at all. But I know there are a few things that I've wanted to talk about for a while, and some of these things I've broached on in past episodes in different situations with different guests and things like that, but I got a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about, and one of the first things is the NFL. Honestly, I really don't care about the NFL as much as they like people to be a big fan of it. For me, it's sort of like a placeholder in between maybe the NBA season, and definitely between baseball season when pitchers and catchers report and really the World Series. Like, for example, being a Washington Redskins fan, you already knew that the season was over before it began, and I know that each year I stupidly come up with the optimism that, hey, these guys, worst case, they'll be 8-8, eight and eight, best case 10-6, and six, because when Jay Gruden was coach, you'd think, hey, that could be their best. But after seeing really how pathetically bad he was the past 10 games before he got fired by the Washington Redskins, it looked like he was a guy who just basically gave up. And I've seen that look on his face. I watched a lot of the press conferences for much of the season, and especially after Alex Smith went down and then Colt McCoy went down, and then he had to basically resort to using guys like March Sanchez and Josh Jackson. And you could tell he was defeated. You could just see it in his face. He was wanted to be anywhere but where he was, which sadly, if there was a chance for this team to get off the ground, especially after that loss to the Philadelphia Eagles to open the season, I think that in all honesty, after that he just sort of gave up, which was bad. And I always see it like this. If you don't want the job, just quit. If it's all about the money, shame on you. And Regardless, working for the Washington Redskins is probably no easy picnic. There's always a discussion, an old saying that I hear, especially when it comes to the Washington Redskins and everybody who comes in with such a high pedigree, Heisman winners, two-time Super Bowl winning coaches, GMs, and things like that. Every time they leave, 
they're basically kicked out and their reputation is slowly to the point where how in the world did it get this bad? I mean, you can put anybody's name in there. We can run through everybody. We can say Marty Schottenheimer, even though he was able to fix his reputation by the time he went to the San Diego Chargers. The only problem with him was he couldn't win the big game after that. But, you know, look at everybody else. Look at Steve Spurrier. Look at RG3. Look at Mike Shanahan. Look at Scott McLuhan. Look at so many other guys that they're too numerous to mention. And it's just a mess. The only person who's really had any success more than Shanahan and, you know, Jim Zorn and Jay Gruden is Joe Gibbs. And it took him coming back, especially being out of the game for a good almost 15 years. Yeah, sure, he had been doing a little bit of football analyst stuff in studio for NBC. And then after that, you know, doing a lot of the NASCAR stuff. But the big thing was you could tell that he was a little out of sync and that he hadn't coached in more than a decade. And I can just think back all the times, the game after Sean Taylor died, the Buffalo game where they decided to play with one man less in honor of Sean Taylor. Joe Gibbs didn't know about that. And the fact that a lot of his old offensive philosophies didn't hold up anymore. And that can happen with any coach. I'm honestly surprised that it hasn't really shown up with John Gruden, but that would actually involve me watching more NFL than I really care about or watching the Raiders. And there's nothing wrong with the Raiders. They're my dad's team. I know a lot of friends who are Raiders fans, but I'm not that immersed in the NFL. You give me a baseball game, the odds are I'll watch any baseball game, even among some of the worst teams. Believe me, I should know about being a fan of some of the worst teams right now, especially with the rate the Baltimore Orioles are. But I'll get to that in just a little bit. But the biggest thing about the NFL right now, I just have this grand sense of apathy. I don't care. I have a lot of people who are Cowboys fans on Facebook, you know, always putting out those memes about we them boys, we them boys. And after losses against the Jets and some other teams that you don't expect them to lose to, they end up being very silent just to be really chirped at by a bunch of Eagles fans. Yeah, the pun is intended there until after that game between the Eagles and Cowboys where it was awfully silent from all those Eagles fans. But, I mean, as a Redskins fan, I know I have nowhere to talk. I don't really care. And everything else is basically chalked up to one of the perfect memes I saw on Facebook with the Redskins is, if you're not here for 1-15, don't come back when we're 4-12. and Which, honestly, as bad as the Redskins are, they're so counterproductive the way they are coaching. And the thing is that you have a quarterback in Case Keenum who is a turnover machine. If it isn't the interceptions, it's the rampant fumbles. So apparently we went from Kirk Cousins, who was probably overpaid, who couldn't win the big game most of the times, and would turn the ball over in the most inopportune situations, to Alex Smith, who was pretty solid, and for some reason they found a way to win a lot of those games and couldn't do anything after that. To Case Keenum, who I thought, you look at his pedigree. Guy went to the NFC Championship game. He's done more than what Kirk Cousins has. Played awful in Denver, but I'm thinking maybe that was just because of the question of offense under a one-year coach who basically got canned after that season, and then he comes to Washington for what everybody thought was a steal. And then the thing is like this. You have your backup quarterback in Colt McCoy. You have your quarterback for the president, Case Keenum. You have the emergency policy if Alex Smith ever comes back from the broken leg. And then you have your quarterback of the future in Dwayne Haskins. 
That all did not work out because Colt McCoy, of course, missed more games than he was expected because of that same broken leg that he had. Alex Smith is still sitting on the sideline, possibly hoping to try to make a comeback next season. This season is pretty much out of the window, and there shouldn't even be any thoughts on that. Case Keenum looked bad, and it looked like Dwayne Haskins is not ready. I always thought the best thing to do with Haskins would be this. You go the Steve McNair route. Steve McNair didn't play a lot of games his first two seasons in Houston. And then by the time they made the move to Tennessee and all that other stuff, he became entrenched as a starter. I thought that would be the best way to do it with Haskins, maybe one year instead of going two seasons because even if you look at Keenum, and Keenum was the best-case scenario, Keenum actually played well. I don't think you'd want him to sit more than a year, Haskins that is, and then finally wait to get the reins taken off of him. Of course, he got thrust into a situation where McCoy was still hurt. Keenum got hurt a couple of times and played ineffectively against the Giants. All of a sudden, Haskins didn't look good, especially the couple games he's played. He does not look good, and that's a damning indictment on Jay Gruden. You may not have wanted him there, just like the RG3 thing, but you should have still prepared him worst-case scenario just in case he had to come in there, and now they look bad. You're unemployed. And, yeah, you'll probably end up going to work in Las Vegas with your brother. You know, the NFL, fun, nepotism. Washington Redskins, also a perfect example of that because the president of football operations, Bruce Allen, who every Redskin fan can tell you that basically they don't know why he's still here. He has probably one of the worst records as a GM in Redskins history. You go through Charlie Castle, you go through Bobby Bethard, you go through even Vinny Serrato, who right now, even though Vinny Serrato foolishly traded a lot of picks and made stupid signings. At least I think Vinny Serrato in this situation probably could have done a better job. I'm not saying I want him back. I'm just saying neither one of them are qualified to be NFL GMs. But the fact that Bruce Allen, his dad was the former head coach, of course, many teams, including the Redskins and the Los Angeles Rams, that gives him, I guess, a little bit in there. And the thought about that is that he's supposed to be a big part of of trying to get the Redskins a stadium back in D.C. I know everybody saw a few years ago about the designs they were looking at, this one new stadium that looks sort of futuristic, has a moat around it and everything. Of course, that moat will look pretty sad when it looks like one of the castles that the Beast held Bell in and Beauty and the Beast because nobody will be there because the team is so bad. But keep on thinking that he's going to be the right way to turn the fortunes around, especially talking about damn good culture when you have players who don't want to play for the team, when you have players sitting out because of questionable stuff, people with lax practicing habits, and just really it seems like an incompetent philosophy that makes you wonder, why am I a fan of this team? And that's something I'm thinking about doing a blog post on. Of course, you can go to thesportsrefuge.com. We have a variety of different blog posts from really talented writers, including Terrence Blackwell, Linwood Outlaw, who recently had one about the Baltimore Ravens and their stretch before the end of the season, which honestly, it looks like unless there's some epic collapse that's coming for the Ravens, they're going to cakewalk into the division title, maybe a first round bye, depending on if there's anybody else that slips them up. But going back to some of the stuff about the Redskins, as I digress, that team is a mess. Honestly, watching the Thursday night game between the Vikings and the Redskins was awful. I guess the only benefit of it was that the game ran so fast that it was over before any more trauma could be dealt and inflicted to Redskins fans because, honestly, everybody knows that this season is lost. Anybody who thinks that there's a chance for this team to rebound, 
you should seek help. Uh, and I'm not talking about psychological help. You should probably go to counseling, AA, NA, or something like that, because you are drinking or smoking something that doesn't make any sense. And it's probably not good for your health. But moving on, hey, I don't do segues like that sometimes. I just go straight into the topic as if you've listened to the podcast a lot of times before, you know that. Going on, of course, the World Series, I will say this. There's a lot of buzz going on, of course, with the Nationals that you think about it. 25 years ago, this franchise and a different incarnation, the Montreal Expos, were probably on the precipice of possibly going to the World Series, taking on the New York Yankees at the time. But we all know with playoffs, of course, that there's always a crapshoot when it comes to playoffs, especially in baseball, as the Nationals shown that really, at one point, they trailed a lot of games in their playoff run, including the wildcard game against the Milwaukee Brewers, and they turned that around and rallied. And then against the Dodgers, really finding the way to win, especially a big home run by Howie Kendrick, the Grand Slam, of course, and turning that around and then really catching fire and then winning seven games in a row prior to having their streak snapped by the Astros in Game 3 of the World Series. And for a team that was left for dead at the beginning of the season, especially their struggles, they were only four games better than the Baltimore Orioles at that time. And the Orioles, of course, lost 100 games for the second year in a row. And for them to turn it all around is nothing short of miraculous. Everybody was calling for Davey Martinez's job. I honestly thought, hey, it's the curse of Dusty Baker. The fact that Dusty got unceremoniously dumped for really no reason because they can't get past the first round. Nearly every manager, Davey Johnson, Matt Williams, Dusty Baker, none of them could get past the first round. And then Dave Martinez gets them to the World Series. Whether it turns out to lead to the franchise's first championship ever, who knows? Game seven, the Expos national story. A lot of people... Interesting story in the Washington Post. They talk about how fans from Montreal, some of them still keep track of the Nationals. It's technically still their team. It's a continuation of their team. Just like maybe not in the situation the way Seattle fans, whether they keep track of the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, I don't think so. I think a lot of Seattle fans are probably reveling and seeing how the Thunder have really dissipated all the success, you know, with Westbrook, Durant, Harden, all those guys, and really all they have is Chris Paul and a bunch of other spare parts. And again, that's another thing. I don't really watch the NBA as well, which is a sad, sad thing because I used to love the NBA growing up in the mid-90s. As I mentioned previous times, that Sunday afternoon from basically 1230 to maybe about 7, 8, or 9, you get that double or triple hitter on NBC where you get a ton of basketball And it was just something about that time. I don't know, and I feel like it's the same thing that happens to me when it comes to a lot of stuff in pop culture and a lot of stuff when it comes to music and things like that. I've fallen behind. I just feel like I'm sort of lost. I always joke that I'm like a guy probably in his 60s and a 36-year-old man's body, and the brain just like, uh, I don't want to be one of those people that is reluctant to change and is already tired of it. It's bad enough when it comes to music taste. I can't really stand a lot of stuff. And that's funny because I work at a radio station where a lot of pop music now is on the air. And I'll admit it is very, very difficult to get through, to listen to. A lot of it is uninspiring. A lot of it you can tell is commercial appeal is aimed at kids and I just can't do it. I try to be young at heart. I try to be open to a lot of new things, but it's just not good. And I always go back to the whole mantra of this. 
especially I got a lot of mantras when it comes to music. One of the biggest things is when it comes to music, every artist back in the day, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they all had a particular style. You could tell a particular musical riff was a particular artist. And, and all of a sudden, everybody just became part of this really big homogeneous mixture of everybody sounding the same. It made music not as fun. And I always think about this, especially in the 90s, late 90s and such like that. I wasn't a big rap fan, but the older I've gotten, I'm starting to come to appreciate a lot of those songs a little more. And now I've tried. I just can't get through it. R&B is probably the only thing that while it has changed dramatically as well, there is still a decent amount of music that is out there to listen to. And you just give me a drive. I'll put it on the oldie station. Maybe not the oldie station, but the old school R&B station. The benefits of having like satellite radio where you can always just turn to music that really suits you without the commercials, of course, and without hearing a lot of pop stuff if you don't want to deal with that. I know I'm pretty much, you give me the uh, old school, I can't even think of the station on Sirius, but yeah, just give it to me. Uh, not Soul Street, which I do listen to as well, but it's the one with more up-tempo, 70s, 80s, 90s stuff, little mix of disco, little mix of, you know, a lot of the other stuff. And it's really probably the most satisfying thing you can do, especially just trying to find music that is your niche. And that's a great thing in the world. But going back to the topic at hand, that's how I felt with the NBA. It's just, yeah, LeBron, I'm not going to go like Skip Bayless or some of these other people who just really have to say stuff for the sake of saying stuff to validate the ridiculously over-the-top money that they got for just saying outlandish things. But LeBron James is good. I'm not going to deny that. Kevin Durant is a very good player, too. He's a great player, probably one of the best. But we'll see what happens with that Achilles surgery. I assume that while technology and medical advances have gotten much better than the time when Dominique Wilkins blew out his Achilles, you got to wonder, that is something that you never know how much that's going to impact a player, regardless of what sport you play. That's a huge injury. Back then, we used to think the same thing about knee injuries, about how how knee injuries were basically career killers. You know, you go back to the days of guys like Gail Sayers, or you go back to guys who really had significant knee injuries, and you wonder... What would have happened if they had the same technology that guys like Frank Gore or Willis McGahee, guys like that who had those knee injuries, RG3, for example, who had an ACL injury and probably the same injury on the same knee that he probably tore either in high school or college. And you think about it, these guys still have their athleticism. They don't look like they've lost the step. And I think a lot of the psychological stuff is a big thing to it. You can look at an example, Derek Rose. He was an MVP before he tore his knee, and then he was physically fine. He just wasn't there mentally. And when you look at it, it took him a while to get back to where he was, and he still isn't the same player that he could have easily been about 10 years ago. And that's just a sad, sad thing. And I just don't know. It's something. I, I Think of John Wall. John Wall, a perfect example, had a lot of injuries, had an Achilles tear while recovering from another injury that he also had on his foot. And... We don't know what he's going to be like, but a team like the Wizards, you can easily think that with a healthy wall with Beal and some of the young guys that they have, they can be a decent you know, bottom half team in the Eastern Conference because really, other than the Sixers, other than the Bucks, the jury's still out on the Nets and the Celtics and really, 
I guess the Hornets are going to be decent enough, but who knows without Kemba Walker. But a healthy Wizards team maybe could be a team in the top, I say top five in the East, especially how weak the conference is. But, you know, you're going to have teams like Detroit. You're going to have teams like the Magic, which I'm surprised they made it to the playoffs. And, you know, you got a few other teams that are going to be challenging, not the Hawks. We can be honest, not the Hawks. Maybe the Bulls. I don't know. There's a lot of teams in the bottom where, had this been like 25 years ago, they would have been the better teams. The Bulls, the Hawks, uh, the Knicks, the Magic. You know, it's weird, but that's how sports go, where unless you have sustained success like a lot of teams, a franchise is going to have tough times. Look at the Lakers. They had a tough time with LeBron even when he was healthy. It was a mess. It took another superstar going there, Anthony Davis, to maybe make them a threat in the Western Conference, and that's not even guarantee. Who knows what's going to happen? When they tried pairing Davis with uh, Boogie Cousins, that looked like that was going to be a solid team and a dominant team. Then all of a sudden, Boogie tears his Achilles. They barely make the playoffs. Anthony Davis wants out. And that team falls apart, and you could just tell there was a mess there. Going back to the NBA, I know it went off a little, of course, but hey, this is what you get when you have no guests. But one of the things is the NBA, that used to be my jam in the 90s, and I think one of the things I mentioned that when it left NBC to go to ABC, it lost something. Not only just round ball rock, but you can think that's probably one of the most distinctive sports themes there is out there, along with the NFL on Fox theme. But it lost a lot of the production value. There was no Bob Costas. There was no Marv Albert. There was no Ahmad Rashad, for good or for bad, depending on how you feel about Ahmad Rashad and all his main men that if you watched NBA Inside stuff, you'd see him all the time. Talk about my main man, Dwayne Chintzes, my main man, Manute Bowl, things like that which I thought, you know, at least there was some consistency there. Yeah, the NBA, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. And that's a shame because that probably was a sport I should probably grow with, especially, you know, watching it at the age of 11 and right around the time Jordan retires the first time. And those were probably some of the most epic playoff playoffs that were going on, I think maybe up to even before LeBron got in the NBA and even during his time in the NBA, there was probably some exciting playoffs series, but I think basically from like 94 to maybe 2000, those were some of the most exciting playoffs, you know, the Rockets, the Bulls, and you always wondered, and we always keep going back to this discussion with one of my guests, Linwood Outlaw, uh, way back in the early part of the run of the podcast, we talk about missing out on potential NBA Finals matchups. I think everybody's going to talk about, everybody wanted to see LeBron and the Cavs or the Heat take on Kobe and the Lakers. We got robbed of that a few times. Thanks a lot, Dwight Howard and the Magic. And then, of course, I would have liked to see those Bulls teams of the mid-90s see how they would have handled Olajuwon and the Rockets. And I know Robert Ory, I guess around the time when they were just talking about how those teams would have fared, he felt like the Rockets would have easily handled the Bulls. I don't think so because you look at it, there was an aging Clyde Drexler against Michael Jordan, while maybe a year or two younger, I still think there was so much more left in the tank. Pippen, nobody could handle Pippen. I think Pippen could lock down some of those guys. You know, he'd lock down maybe a Vernon Maxwell or something like that. And then, of course, you get Ron Harper, who's probably a better defender than probably some of those other guys, B.J. Armstrong, John Paxson, 
holding on Kenny Smith or Sam Cassell, I think he could easily handle those guys because not only is he a better defender, he's got a lot more height on those two, and I think that would have been huge. And then, well, I guess Robert Ory was the power forward. I mean, depending on if it's Kukoc or if it's Rodman, I don't think Robert Ory has a shot. But I think the clear-cut advantage where the Rockets would have over the Bulls is at center because nobody could stop Hakeem Olajuwon. Why risk that chance of putting a guy like Rodman on Olajuwon? You know, of course, Olajuwon's footwork and his ability to get around defenders against guys who are the same height as him but not as fast. I think that gives him an advantage over regardless who he was covering or who he was being guarded by, whether it's Luke Longley, Bill Wennington, uh, Robert Parrish at that time, James Edwards. It didn't matter. Yeah, he would just really school those guys, and it would be maybe like a O. Four Pistons situation where they're taking on the Lakers. And yeah, nobody could stop Shaq. Ben Wallace didn't have an answer for Shaq defensively, but they shut down Kobe. They shut down everybody else. And that's all you can do. You can let Olajuwon have his good games, but if you make everybody else a non-factor with Jordan and Pippen and, you know, Rodman getting those cleanup on the rebounds, I think, well, not only would we have been in for a great series, but I think maybe it might have been the first NBA Finals series that Jordan gets pushed to seven games. Yeah, that sounds outlandish, but hey, I'm doing my research going from my brain, something a lot of these people you watch on these TV networks and on Sports Talk Radio, they act like they actually know stuff when they really don't, and you can just tell as someone, and I just use it for example, and I hate to be one of those guys to humble brag, but just going back to my experience watching so many games as a kid of every sport, reading books and things like that. And while some of these guys you see on the radio, they know how to get the ratings through their passion. Being knowledgeable and passionate is just as good. It's even better than being somebody who just goes off sheer passion. I can think of so many people I've heard on the radio, especially living in Northern Delaware. So all I'm going to get is Philadelphia sports and Boy, that's the dregs of humanity there. It's very tough trying to listen to it. I stopped listening to it after a while. The best thing that ever could have came into being the iPod made my trip to work so much easier. It it made it a little more palatable to drive to work without just sort of turning it off and discussing saying, these guys really have no idea what they're talking about. But hey, it doesn't matter if you really do know what you're talking about because it doesn't matter. It's, it's a surprising how a lot of these guys, and I go back to ESPN because ESPN is probably one of the things I pull the biggest bone of contention with, is how they went from being really quirky network and they went to becoming this whole mess. And I know once all of a sudden you get part of pop culture, you end up having to dumb things down for the casuals and things like that. And that happens a lot of places. You can just look at so many venues where, wow, this used to be so great, and now they dumped it down to the casuals just to be part of really internet culture and all this other stuff, being on YouTube and all these other things. And yeah, some of these guys, I just can't do it. I mean, I'll admit, I loved part of the interruption when it first came on. And then, hey, Around the Horn wasn't bad either. And then when it became a part of every bit of life, it was just irritating, especially people probably don't remember Stephen A. Smith before he became this big personality on there. He was a journalist. He was a print journalist. He worked for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He had a pretty good reputation as a journalist, I like to believe. And then when you see him make some of these foolish statements and you think, 
how you coming up in a journalism background and environment, how all of a sudden do you not go and fact check? And this is nothing personal against him. I don't know the guy. I just see him on TV and I'm thinking, you used to be a journalist. How do you let this stuff happen? And if people are prepping you or feeding you this stuff, they're bad too because ESPN used to be the place where, you know, you have Howie Schwab, Stump the Schwab, the expert on all this other stuff. How do you guys not have a dedicated research department that can tell you the accurate stuff? If you just fly off the top of your head, that makes me a little more alarmed than the fact that either research people are feeding you bad stuff or you just don't even try to attempt to get this information in. I'm like, what in the world? It makes me no longer like sports anymore. It makes me no longer even want to deal with being saying, hey, I'm a big sports fan. It's like, hey, you watch ESPN? No, I don't watch ESPN. ESPN, the only good things on there are really the 30 for 30s because that's where they still seem like they have some heart and soul and entertainment value. There's plenty of them. You know, the two Bills, the Ric Flair one, the Dennis Rodman one that just came on last month. You just think, how in the world did this place fall so far? Maybe it is true that when you look back at nostalgia, you tend to wear it with rose-colored glasses when you think of really, it wasn't this perfect. It's easy for the mind to delude itself, especially about the good old days. You know, you got a lot of people talking about, oh, I remember the good old days of this and this and that. When you think about it, it may have been good for you, but it definitely wasn't good for everybody else. You can take that however you want. And I'm not getting into a lot of other discussions outside the realm of sports because, hey, I don't care enough. And that's not me being apathetic. People who know me well enough, you can read between the lines. You can just think about everything I've talked about. And you can tell where I stand. And if you don't, hey, maybe you're better off not knowing that. I had to take a Jim Rohn pregnant pause there. One, I'm just trying to gather stuff, not for dramatic effect, as you hear on the radio all the time. But when it comes to everything going on, one of the biggest pet peeves, especially now, we've talked about this whole culture of yelling and screaming, acting like a bunch of idiots, which you see it on every news network. You see it. On every sports network, I can't even call them sports news networks because they aren't. You rarely get news. I haven't watched Fox Sports 1 for anything in a long time, which really hurts because I liked the premise of Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless because, yeah, I thought, hey, they're going to talk a little more about sports and they're going to talk about a lot of other things, not the same old casual stuff every day. It's always LeBron. It's always the Dallas Cowboys. It's always this. It's always that. I am just Tom Brady and I just don't care enough anymore. I'll admit it really bums me out as a sports fan, no longer liking a lot of sports anymore. And I don't need anybody's sympathy about it. It's just, hey, things have changed. And I personally think not for the better. But that's how it is because everybody's going to have their own opinion. And that's cool. And that's great. But you're not going to change my mind. It's just like that guy, the meme with the person that says this, 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 and the bottom of the table says change my mind. I'll listen to it. And if you can come up with a thoughtful, intelligent argument or discussion or a point, which a lot of times a lot of people can't do because all they want to do is yelling their point. Like being louder means you're right. You can always be loud and wrong. That's something my mom always told me. Here you are coming in, being loud and wrong. And apparently that has become the norm nowadays. Every bit of discussion, if you want to have logical debate, there's probably not a lot of places where you can do that anymore. You can just look at YouTube comments. Somebody's going to say something stupid and they're going to say something 
yeah, if you have an opinion, that's cool, but back it up. And then someone's going to use the retort, well, I don't have to prove anything to you. And then why do you say it? Because really, all you sound like a fool online, which, let's be honest, folks, when people are on the internet, they say stupid stuff a lot. You may think what I'm saying is stupid. Well, if you do, give me a reason why. I'm always open to listening to reasonable discussion or any factual information. And I'll admit, when it comes to some facts, I'm a little rusty with that. I don't remember things as sharply anymore, and I don't even watch as much sports as I used to. And I think I contribute that to an example of the older you get, you start sort of narrowing your window of things that you really concern yourself about. Perfect example. As a kid, you're sort of a lot open to a lot more stuff. And when you start becoming a teenager, you sort of start narrowing things. You want to try to start fitting in. You tell me you're a teenager that didn't try to fit in. You're a liar. You're a bold-faced liar. And before anybody says it's bald face, I've heard bold face for years. Maybe there's a way that, you know, through research that everyone will say that, oh, it's bald face. But we'll see. Bald face versus bold face. Ah, interesting. Okay. So I had to go to the Internet to prove this because the Internet's always great. Some people will use bald face lie or bare face, which I haven't heard. It means that one is undisguised. And clearly untrue. Boldface, on the other hand, is one that is impudent or disrespectful. Many lies would fall under both categories. See, on this show, you always learn something new, which, as I mentioned before, the best thing about podcasts, because you always find out something new, whether you're expecting it or not. Man, I thought I was going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, but hey, oh, there's been a little bit of a wrestling revolution now. With the recent startup of All Elite Wrestling and other shows like NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, starting their own YouTube show. And I think, honestly, while it hasn't been a topic of discussion a lot lately, I think having a lot of these wrestling shows out there is a great thing to have an alternative for fans who don't like watching the WWE anymore. And honestly, I'll admit, since really the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view that occurred, I haven't really watched WWE TV at all. I don't really see a reason to. It doesn't really interest me anymore. I'll admit that the first few weeks of AEW have been exciting. And I think the thing about that is, will I stick with it? Whether it starts to decline in quality. And I already know that a lot of people have seen it drop from the second episode in quality or ending as satisfaction. But I think that's the thing of personal preference. I'm not going to say you're wrong. And I can see some spots where things look like they've changed a little, but I feel like having a lot more wrestling, a lot of people say it's bad for the wrestling industry because there's no wrestling boom. I say it's good because everybody needs a different option. Whether you like New Japan, whether you like Ring of Honor, whether you like Impact Wrestling, whether you like the NWA, whether you like AEW, or whether you like WWE. I'm not going to call you some fanboy or anything because you like something differently. And it's funny, looking in the comments, especially watching NWA Power, I see a lot of people talk about how, oh, this is better than AEW and WWE. I prefer NWA and AEW. That's my personal preference. I'm not going to say you can't like them both. And why needlessly argue over something that's completely an alternative to what everybody's been used to for the past, really, 20 years? I don't see any reason that makes sense in arguing. Well, as we start to wrap up this show, and I'll be honest with you, trying to do a show on my own. I thought it was going to be very trepidatious to say the least because I honestly can't think 
of a lot of stuff that I really want to get off my mind because I talk about this with a lot of different people and a lot of different stories. And I got a certain point where I feel like I've talked about it enough where really what's the point of bringing stuff up again and again and again, beating it over like a drum. But I do really enjoy having this opportunity doing something a little different. I promise that next episode, episode 46, we'll have a brand new guest. Again, keep your eyes out on the Sports Refuge website, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, because I'm really going to go full bore into promoting our next guest, whoever that may be. And of course, if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to email us at thesportsrefuge at gmail.com because there's so many different things. I'm always looking to reach out to different people. Hey, if you think there's somebody who would be a good interview, because I'm always about telling a good story and that's the key with this podcast. Uh, maybe you'll get the occasional hot takes like this here, you know, which I basically consider a little bit of filler stuff, but Hey, your mileage may vary because you may like this a little more and give me your feedback about this because good, bad or indifferent. I like hearing it and I like knowing, and I like having really good discussions with people. You don't really have that much anymore, especially over the internet where sometimes anonymity can be a good way to act like a punk and not expect that people won't get their comeuppance. Anyway, until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.